Welcome to another instalment of the Evolution Exchange podcast for the Nordics, a melting pot of ideas and inspiration shared by some of the most successful technical leaders in the Nordic region. My name is Chris Bennett, and me and my team help connect businesses with freelance tech talent. Today's a very special special episode, as I'm currently recording this live from the True Call office. Massive thank you for having us. In this one, we're discussing an issue very close to the hearts of Evolution and my team. Uh, we're talking about diversity and inclusion. As with all our podcasts, we've invited people on to discuss their passion, and with me now are four awesome people. So let's get some introductions. So let's start off with resident guest, Juliana. Hello. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and Chris, thanks for having me here in this podcast. Uh, my name is Juliana. Uh, I work uh, as a CEO and founder of a company called Bila, that is a support network for women and non-binary immigrants in Sweden uh, in a journey to tech. Uh, it's been my, I think this is my third time in this podcast, mm-hmm. uh, specifically talking about diversity and inclusion. That's something that I'm very passionate about. Uh, and I'm very happy to be here at True Colors office because I'm an ex-True Color myself and I can see some uh, friendly faces in the office, which is super cool. So thanks for having me. Brilliant. And Andreas, last minute for you this one. Yes, yes. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, great to be here. Um, so I uh, am a co- co-founder of uh, Tagro, which is a company in which we... Uh, we work with a re-engineered way of doing recruitment, and uh, we uh, teach recruiters this. And uh, then at the side of that, I'm also part-time working uh, at Bonya News, where I am uh, working with uh, product management within uh, diversity and inclusion, and I work with uh, talent uh, recruitment, employer branding, uh, everything connected to talent, basically, have been doing that for the last 15 years, been in, in tech recruitment. And uh, by the side of work and my business, I am a jazz musician. So I love to play all <laughs> imaginable instruments. I My, my house is full <laughs> and, and there will be more, for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. This journey yeah. hasn't stopped yet. No, it won't stop. <laughs> <laughs> Habit to problem. Yeah. <laughs> um, Agnes? Well, uh, I'm Agnes. I'm also here like a, as a last minute thing, right? Yeah. So I work here in True Color and now my role is director of brand marketing, but I'm also switching roles going over to product marketing. I've uh, been with True Color for a year, uh, loving it, of course. Um, and when it comes to diversity and inclusion, those are also very dear to my heart, and especially when we're talking about, um, you know, women, mm-hmm. of course. Um, yeah. but, <laughs> um, I would say that um, my thing outside of work, I yeah. mean, there's some, some time left. Mm-hmm. I'm a uh, very active scout leader where I you know, have scouts from the age from 8 to 11. And I'm also the director of the board for TEDx Stockholm. Okay. So when you're talking about TED Talks, yeah. I'm really excited about that. So awesome. also very happy to be that, here. That is a great introduction for someone who called about two hours ago about this. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You must be a natural. Uh, and then finally, Angela. Yes. Uh, hi, everyone. I'm Angela. Thanks, Chris, for having me here. Um, I'm working as a product owner at TrueColor. Mm-hmm. So I've been here for about two and a half years now. Um, relocated from down under from Australia, so pretty much the furthest you can get <laughs> <laughs> from Stockholm. Um, and I'm also quite passionate about um, the topic of diversity and inclusion. And 
I recently actually joined a sort of supporting the Bila organization, which um, Juliana is a founder of. So um, it's been a really enriching experience. I've been able to sort of, you know, work with people um, from more diverse backgrounds and learn other people's experiences moving to Sweden um, and to Stockholm as well. So, yeah, very passionate about this topic. I think there's a lot that can be spoken about this. Um, and, uh, yeah, just really glad to be here. Um, outside of work, I have a lot of creative interests. So I like to play the guitar. So mm. just uh, one of the instruments I like. And uh, dancing is a very big thing for me. Um, I come from Indian heritage, so Bollywood is a big part of my life. So Bollywood dancing especially. But yeah, that's that's about it outside of work. <laughs> this is my second live podcast at True Collar today. And honestly, I could put at least two bands together. Yeah, honestly, <laughs> I got, yeah, I really think I'm missing the opportunity here. Yeah, I could be setting up bands and going on tour rather than taking the yeah. podcast on tour. However, like, that would be fun, though. That would be a good <laughs> idea to have the podcast on tour. With musicians. Oh my god, yeah. yeah. And dancers. Exactly. Yeah, let's 100%. do it. Maybe some amazing. scouting. I can yeah. sing. Yeah. Oh, you can sing. I can also. I can, I can do support any of those you. Things. I can cheer you on. <laughs> yeah, I'll be with you there. Yeah. Uh, we're going to need that beer we talked about, though. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, no as with this podcast, we always have a standard format where everyone brings one question. Yeah, but I think it's really important uh, to get an update on the Women in Tech event that happened um, recently. So I've asked Juliana to just talk about that before we get into the questions. Of course. I think last Friday was huge. Mm. That's a word. Uh, <laughs> it Well, since pandemic times, I think I haven't been, you know, gathering with so many people uh, for such a long time. And it was like around 3,000 women uh, here in Stockholm at Waterfront uh, Conference Space, uh, very close by to True Colors office. And the highlights for me, I was there at a panel and uh, I love it so much, the panel, that I actually brought more or less the same question here because I think it's an opportunity to talk more about it. And I think I, we had feedback that the panel was one of the favorites of, of the day. So I think it's a very, very interesting topic. But also so many amazing and inspiring women over there. I think everybody got out of the conference with a sense of, you know, energy, energy renewed and empowerment. And for me, I think the biggest highlight was a talk by a person that I actually don't remember the name, but it was an 18 year old girl that founded a, a, a company that supports uh, kids with dyslexia. Uh, so she is a dyslexic herself and uh, she wanted to support her friends in the journey at school and she's from Gothenburg and amazing. It was like the one I felt so like uh, hopeful about the next generation uh, and they are already, you know, uh, slashing and I think they are going to be definitely the future. Yeah, so I think that's my takeaway from the conference. Uh, yeah. And if you've been there, uh, if you're listening to this, I just want to say thank you to each one of you that went to Bila's booth because it was so popular. We were in the balcony and we had like lots of yellow balloons. Our branding is quite happy. So mm -hmm. I think uh, we we were like, uh, of course, calling all the attention in the balcony. And I think it was amazing. Thank you. Love that. Love that. Great start to this. Um, so let's uh, dive straight into the questions. So... Agnes, this was your, your question um, on how can diversity impact the success of a team or a product? So we'll kick off with you. I mean, what's your thoughts around this? Bam, bam, bam. Yeah, let's go for it. 
Uh, but I mean, look at we can just look at this podcast, like mm-hmm. the people here mm-hmm. uh, from the beginning. Mm-hmm. We're coming from all different backgrounds. We bring in all our other experiences, different kind of ideas, ideas of innovation, ideas of what we want to accomplish in the future, what we have, you know, accomplished in the past. And mm-hmm. I think that is actually why diversity is so important in a team, because if you would put one group of people that are exactly the same, you could have the same ideas or you could have the same innovation and there will be might not be even like discussions or arguments. So with diversity also comes new ideas, new mm-hmm. uh, ways of thinking for innovation, and hopefully some well-needed discussions and arguments to why my idea is better than yours and just like listening into each other. So I think it's, I would say that it's actually a key to the, to success. Is it almost essential? I would say it is, it's essential. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, what do you think, Andreas? I think, yeah, yeah, I agree 100 percent. And uh, I've seen it so, so many, so many times uh, that how like our different perspectives and synergies brings us to something that we could never imagine ourselves. And um, I, uh, I actually like I can take one very recent example, like the, the new company that I have founded, co-founded with uh, my business partner Rahman. We are from two completely different worlds. He's from from India and has a has a long recruiter background but a completely different background and me with my my background and it's just uh, very interesting to see how uh, I mean when I previously ran a company myself it was I mean I just have my perspectives I may talk to some people and get some perspective but like I'm in it myself but doing something together with someone else and that we really listening into each other's perspectives that's that's so powerful mm-hmm. but I also um, I mean um, one one thing that I would like to add on this is that I, I see also this as a as a competence something that we need to learn along the way it's just not something that we have or don't have but we need to learn and develop our skills and our understanding of this and and if i would uh, gonna give a tip on a book i would say like uh, have you i don't know if you read difficult conversations this book now i don't know the author um, but google difficult conversations and book and you will find this and that book is really about just trying to understand each other's perspectives on things and and being really curious about that i think that's um yeah it's so easy to see your own perspectives in your own way of seeing the world but yeah trying to open up on that julian what's your thoughts Mm. and a question that i've been thinking that what do we do i'm young white male i've added young in that young good-looking white men Um, (laughs) but what do i do if i'm sat in a room with just white males what do i do is it it, should there be a trigger nowadays to go we've got a problem here yeah do we stop the meeting do we how how what should happen in that instance and i suppose obviously answering the previous question of how does it impact in your world juliana uh Love the question, mm-hmm. and I think that all goes through allyship, right? And how having allies is so important. So I don't think in the world that we're living right now, 2022, post-pandemic, we still think it's accept- acceptable to enter in a room with only one type of person and you don't say a thing. Mm. So I guess showing up 
is the first thing that you need to do. So I would say mm -hmm. if I'm in a room and uh, I am the only person of color, for example, mm -hmm. being like in the, in the opposite situation from you, like mm -hmm. I'm not part of that group. The first thing that I do, yes, I just say, hey, amazing that I'm here representing, but why? Where, where are the rest? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Why am I alone here? Mm -hmm. uh, and this happens a lot with me personally because sometimes there is the tokenism uh, fact that, you know, being a black woman myself, coming from Brazil, being an immigrant mm -hmm. here in Sweden, sometimes people ask me to be in calls just to represent and have, you know, the diversity quota that we mm -hmm. call. Mm -hmm. And although I feel it's super important to have representation, the burden of being the only person in the room mm -hmm. can be quite heavy. So, uh, so if you are in the situation that well, you are in a room full of people from the same uh, background as you. Just call out and say, hey, we need uh, diversity here. We need mm -hmm. people with different perspectives. And it's not only because, you know, the data shows that it's profitable. Uh, teams are, it's the right thing to do. Uh, mm -hmm. The world is diverse. Uh, even Hollywood right now is trying to be more diverse. So in tech industry, there's no way for this to be different. Uh, it's not only about the benefits that it brings, but it's also because it's a moral question. Is the right thing to do? Give the same opportunities to all people, right? Mm. I've seen, I, I was listening to one of um, my colleague Sophie's podcast. Yeah, and I don't think you were on it, Juliana, um, but forgive me if you were. Yeah, and one of the discussions was around that point of uh, tokenism. Yeah, inviting someone to that room, yeah, just to fill a quota. Yeah. And there's an interesting uh, discussion going on at the moment of whether that's essential and what do we do about it? Because if there wasn't, that would be, would it be slightly worse? So how do we help that person not get overloaded with extra responsibilities, extra meetings, yeah, um, mm. extra talks they have to give? How do we, how do we help that person? Like, what, what do we do? <laughs> uh, I think... It starts by, you know, educating ourselves on the way that we see, you know, this kind of thing. So I use, I'm very open about talking about microaggressions, for example. And that can happen a lot when you have like one different person in the room. Mm -hmm. um, um, typical microaggression thing that we don't think that much is then whenever people come to me and say, hey, when I look at you, I don't see color. Uh, so this is the kind of thing that, you know, for me, like you are denying all my history, all my ancestry. And uh, I really believe that, you know, knowing how to be an ally and educating people on how to treat the only different person in the room, it's a first. Mm. Because uh, if I know that I'm in the room and I'm the only one, but at least I know that I have people that back me up. They know about my history, they know about, you know, uh, all the struggles that I pass and know how to facilitate difficult conversations, as you said, mm -hmm. I think it's super important. So I would say, educate yourself, take microaggression trainings, take uh, unconscious bias trainings as well. Mm -hmm. Learn how to be a good ally. I think that's uh, allyship is key. Mm -hmm. um, Angela, what are your thoughts on this area of... Um diversity and impact in the success of a team or a product? I think it largely also comes down to breaking stereotypes. I think there's a lot of, like uh, Juliana said, that word unconscious bias mm. around maybe how um, a particular gender, a particular cultural group uh, might behave or might be. And I think that is somewhere ingrained within us, like unconsciously, we don't realize it as well. And I think unless we break that, we can't really move forward with the education that you're mentioning. So 
in my opinion, diversity of experiences leads to diversity of thought, and that is what drives success. If you don't have diverse thoughts, then like uh, Agnes said, how do you innovate? Mm. You're just sort of got a tunnel vision and you're just going towards that. How do you, how do you incorporate from that? Um, myself as a person, I also consider myself quite diverse. So born and raised in Australia, but I come from Indian heritage. Um, many times in my life, I've just had people very innocently ask me like, oh, like you look Indian, but you speak in a different accent. And it's a very, like, innocent question. Microaggression. Yeah, but it's, like, it's a bit foreign for some people to to think that or that, like, um, my parents are from India, but then I have lived most of my life in Australia, so naturally I will have, like, I will talk in a certain way. So I think those sort of unconscious biases, like, if we break that down, I think, and break those stereotypes, I think we will actually move towards uh, looking at diversity and inclusion not as something that we have to do, but something more like a competence that we build up, like Andrea said, I think. And if we think um, that the listeners of this podcast will be mainly in Stockholm, big shout for those who are not in Stockholm, by the way. Um, <laughs> um, if we think of the Stockholm tech community, right? We've said education there a few times. In that tech scene, are we educating them enough? Yeah, are, are companies taking the responsibility or they're just relying on the population increase in their education? Like, I don't know, you'll see it better than me. Yeah, yeah. are you seeing tech companies take this responsibility? And if so, to what level? To the panel. <clears throat> oh, wow. Um, that's like a big question, I would say, in, mm. a, in a way. And I do feel that um, in some ways, I can see at least that it's it's moving that at least from what you read, you can see that companies are, you know, talking about this. And we have women in tech, uh, of course, to help when it comes to the, like a gender diversity. But I sometimes I don't feel there it's being done enough. Mm. Um, and maybe it's because, like you said, we're just trying to do, we're supposed to have a diversity and we're supposed to talk about that. So we are talking about that. But how deep are we going? And I can only, I cannot speak for every company, of course. But, and in some companies, like here in Trupala, when it comes to diversity, like mm. over 35 nationalities, that part can come natural. Mm. But it's not going to be helpful unless we actually educate people within the company. Also understanding, like, like a, we talk about, you know, the microaggression, but also like the culture mapping. Swedish people, for instance, we think that we are the right ones. We have that tendency that we think that being like we are very straight up forward, mm -hmm. being frank and just like speak our mind. We think that that is the, the right way. That's how the world looks, mm -hmm. looks like. Mm -hmm. And then if you would ever look at a culture map, we're the odd ones. Mm -hmm. No one's like us. We're just like the odd ones. There's mm -hmm. so many more um, where you have a very um, a kind approach mm -hmm. where you always, you know, you wouldn't just like call out on Slack and say like, hey, I need this. You'd be like, hello, how are you today? And then you just wait for an answer, you, you, like a more of a polite thing. So I think it needs to be done more. Um, but which company is mm. actually... See, we have the um, the Women in Tech event every year. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Good. That's the start. But that can't be waited till until next year before companies are having unconscious bias training. I've not heard of microaggression. Yeah. Is that something that should be trained every six months? It's not... These issues come up, they get trained out, and then two years later, the issues come up again. So I don't know if a company is taking it seriously enough not to just roll it out, 
for it for it to be scalable. I'm thinking like like there's not just one solution. It's like a recruitment. Like I'm, you need to think like multi-channel. Like you need to do different things, and different things will be like important for different listeners. So some will be very inspired and really catch it if you if you talk about a certain topic related to diversity or if you read something about diversity or if you go to a lecture and another person maybe need to hear it in a small room like like this because uh, if it's in a bigger crowd it just like gets overwhelming or or you won't even attend yeah. so i think that companies need to really do different kind of initiatives around this and then of course like continuously also measure like how does those initiatives uh, evolve and what does it actually give us yeah. but i i really often see that it's a bit like <laughs> preaching for the choir like if you're really interested in the topic you will attend you will join yeah. and you will learn more but there's a huge crowd that might not be interested and don't think that they need to engage but yeah. everyone needs to engage in diversity inclusion yeah. so I, I think that is a, that is a huge challenge which even companies that put a lot of effort into diversity inclusion they have the same problem. How do we engage the complete company in this work? So. And I would also like like to add that I think it also really um, sort of helps us as individuals. Mm. We are talking more in a company setting how we as companies can embrace that. But I think like Agnes said, when you work at a company like TrueQual, which has over 35 nationalities, it really sort of as an individual also brings an awareness to you of maybe the in the past, how you may have also had unconscious biases and how you're breaking that. So I think there's a lot of growth that we as individuals can experience as well if we start to ingrain that thinking within ourselves. Um, Juliana, you mentioned um, before this event, um, how can we know which companies are taking diverse seriously? And you were um, factoring that question around interviews, recruiting bias, onboarding. Just talk about why you answered that question and some of your thoughts, Juliana? Yes, um, as I said, it was very similar to the question I had in Women in Tech. Mm. And uh, the theme of the event was level up, right? So it was uh, taking diversity and inclusion to another level. That's not only the buzzwords. Mm -hmm. And I think since it is a very hot topic right now, uh, especially in technology, but I think in all other fields, um, it's very easy to fall into the trap that, you know, the company state that they are diverse and then you apply to a position, then you go there and there's actually nothing happening. People are very biased. There's no like a safe space. So I think the question was actually before you even apply for a job, what are the things that you could capture? Uh, of course, it's not uh, certain, right? But there are some red flags that I would say. Um, I would start by basically talking about the whole recruiting process. Mm -hmm. So whenever you are like reading an ad, a job description, is it inclusive enough? Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Is it written in a gender neutral uh, way? Does it encompass uh, accessibility needs, for example? Do they add alt text to images? Do they ask you which pronouns do you prefer mm -hmm. whenever they call you? Mm -hmm. Um, do they ask if you need any accessibility help or if you have any, like, uh, do they adapt their interview uh, process mm -hmm. to your needs? I guess, and treat, you know, uh, uh, the whole recruitment process is a very, like, people-centered approach. Mm -hmm. 
instead of being like only one candidate. And I think companies that are doing that, they are already standing out. And, and you know, it's not big. What they're asking here is that treat people as they need to be treated. Uh, give replies, right? Reply people whenever they are applying for a job. Even to say like, sorry, no. But sorry, no is an answer, right? And not having an answer is, is something that causes a lot of anxiety. And uh, imagine my community, I have a lot of women dealing with a career transition. They are newcomers to a country. And then you send like a hundred emails, you get nothing mm. out of, uh, of that. It's very harmful. Mm. And then, of course, you have all the part that you can do yourself to look at the careers page and uh, leadership and see, for example, if they do have you know, a board of only made of white straight men. Well, we know the numbers, we know it's reality, and uh, you pr you're probably going to join a company that's like that because we know most of them are, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. But ask them, what are they doing about it? Yeah. Ask in the interview uh, and, and do not get answers like, oh, we have one Slack channel about diversity. Ask if they have budget, ask if they have initiatives, ask if they have head of diversity roles, or if they don't, why don't they have and, and when are they going to have? Mm. So be very like specific because I think these things can, you know, lead to better experience when you are onboarding a new company. Another thing that I think it's super important to highlight is check the benefits. Benefits can say a lot about an organization. So if they do give you parental leave, what are parents for them? Are adopted considered parents as well? People mm -hmm. that adopt, are they like a same sex um, and same gender uh, uh, marriages considered parents as well? Uh, so ask, you know, what kind of uh, policies they have, because I think this also says a lot about an organization. So these are like uh, my tips, especially mm -hmm. if you are a newcomer, because I know that uh, we can also say, hey, check your networks and check people that you know that well, but if you just arrive in a country, like the example of Ukraine, for example, lots of women, uh, refugees that came to, to, uh, to Sweden, they don't have a network. It's very hard for them even to reach out to an organization. Uh, but how do they know if they're going to be treated and if they are going to have a place where they belong? I think, you know, there are some checks uh, that can be done. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Fantastic inputs. Mm. I want to just like check all of those boxes because <laughs> those are and it actually some things that I didn't even think about, which mm. was great. But I also feel that it really, you know, investigate the company and look at like what is actually published. If it's a listed company, they'll have an annual report, yep. Yep. which means that you can actually look at diversity and gender in, yeah. in that report. Yeah. And then I would also go to look at uh, LinkedIn, for example, because sometimes you know, uh, when you're looking at uh, leadership, maybe like diversity in, in leadership, you have to understand like what is considered leadership for them when it comes to the report. Mm -hmm. So there could be informal leaders in the company that would be considered leaders that would maybe help their diversity or not. Mm -hmm. So I would also like look at, at LinkedIn to see like, okay, who's working for this company? Um, um, what are their experiences? Are they happy to share what, what the company is sharing? Not only like, um, um, we're a listed company or join my team because yeah. I need someone, but like, are they happily sharing, you know, are, are, are they proud of what the company puts out there? And if you're then a um, um, young, handsome, white male, yeah. that's what we said, right? Good looking. Good looking. Yeah, good looking. Good looking. Yeah. Not turned up yet. <laughs> no, but then like, then, then it, it also comes to you. Like, okay, what am I looking for in a company? Like, um, we know that if you're a woman, you will be looking for other women in a way. 
And if you also is, uh, if you're aware of diversity and inclusion, you will be looking at that. But it comes back to like the individual thing. You need to understand that like I'm the only, if I'm a white male, I shouldn't just be safe because I see a, a board of white males. Mm. I should look at like, okay, what are the, the women in this company uh, sharing? Um, how are they talking about diversity outside of their official reports? Mm. Um, what are people, um, how are they rating them on different review sites? But again, when you look at those kind of things, you also have to look at them with a very like, um, what do you call it? Like in Swedish, we say it like a nykter, but like a sober view, mm. because sometimes, of course, you have to be able to read between the lines. So it's a lot of things that comes into, um, you know, finding finding your place, like your place of belonging, because nowadays it's not just work. Mm. It's actually you're spending a lot of your time there, sometimes even more time on your work than with your kids at home, no, at your at, place. Exactly. Which <laughs> yeah. means that you need to have that feeling of belonging. So it's so important to um, well, to it, investigate. Is there a company mm. like how is Glassdoor on this? I've not actually checked because I I don't know. I I feel more after after listening to this. I feel more responsibility to do that because I'm already in a privileged situation. Mm. So if I'm going to apply for a company, it should be me doing it. Because if you're not in that situation, do you? Is the fear to ask all these questions? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And therefore, if there is that fear, and these are all important points, how is Glassdoor at reviewing companies like that? Are we asking questions on employees on all these things? Mm. Because if there was a body in between, it'd make it much more comfortable for people to do this. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Um, But I also feel that, you know, like sometimes, um, I mean, it's not only a company who chooses you, you also choose the company. So if you're, and if you're not comfortable asking the difficult questions in an interview, then you'll, and and if you're not, then you won't be, like, then it's going to be very hard down the line to ask those. And if you're asking the difficult questions and the the, the replies you're getting are really weird or they won't talk about it, you know, like that's a, a like, it's not even a red flag. It's like a red world. Yeah. Don't mm-hmm. go there. Yeah. But if they're just like, you know, they might also come off of being honest and saying like, you know, this is really great questions. Mm. I, we haven't thought about this. I need to, you know, take a step back and really investigate. That also shows that that company or like at least that uh, person in recruitment mm. is actually open to see like, okay, how can we become better? Yeah. Mm. So, yeah, I think that's a very good point um, because, well, I have like my own nonprofit organization. I consider myself a rebel, right? So I blame a lot all the organizations of not doing right and i think that's one of my roles uh to be like there and saying hey you need to do better but it doesn't need to be perfect and uh, Mm -hmm. you need to start somewhere so i think listening it's so important so instead of you know if you are cut off in that that situation if you are a founder of organization yourself Mm -hmm. don't get uh defensive you know, just listen and say, hey, you are actually right. We need to do something about it. We are not, but we're going to address it. And I think that's the most important because yeah. I feel that one of the things that I changed my mind a lot during the, the uh, uh, this time is the fact that diversity and inclusion, we are always scared of making mistakes because yeah. we are uh, dealing with people and we are always scared of putting, you know, something in our LinkedIn pages and websites because it's going to sound wrong or because it can hurt a group of people. You're going to have feedback uh, from that and you're going to learn from that. So whenever you fail when it comes to diversity and inclusion, fail, but fail gloriously. Mm. Yeah. Right. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and learn and move on. Mm. Exactly. Um, Angela, your question was um, 
Boats.com community actually been very good already within diversity and inclusion. Um, but you asked, how can we make it better? Yeah, so have you got any thoughts yourself on like either the current status, what's good, and what what the future could look like? Yeah, I think the current status, in my opinion, is quite quite good. Um, like I moved actually, unfortunately, six weeks before the pandemic, so I didn't get to attend anything in person. Um, but before I joined, I saw there were a bunch of meetups, um, you know, tech meetups where people um, from diverse backgrounds were encouraged to meet up. Uh, the Bila Foundation, which what uh, the organization which Julia is heading as well, is like just aimed totally around that. Um, I think that's really empowering for people who move to a new country where um, obviously like the language is also a factor, although in Sweden, um, like everybody is also happy to speak English, but naturally if you're not able to converse in the local language, then there are some barriers that you find. But I think if you have these sort of um, meetups and these events where you can meet people who are also in the same boat as you, it, you feel more comfortable. Um, and I think we can definitely continue that. I wouldn't say that I, I got to, like I said, participate in that because of the whole virtual world that we had to live in at that time. But I think that um, having more initiatives like this and maybe even bringing more awareness at the women in tech events and stuff will help more people overcome those barriers. What, like advertisements? Yeah, or even just like informing people about this. Mm. Um, I Googled it, so I saw, oh, there is a Stockholm meetup that is available. Um, I think in 2020, Spotify was also hosting a few meetups uh, for people who are interested in tech and who have just recently moved over to Sweden. Mm. Um, so those are great because this is my first experience, obviously relocating to a, a new place. And I thought that was really helpful. Um, Andres? Yeah, I can actually add um, a very concrete way to help uh, because I, I recently now uh, engaged in a, in something called like Recruiters for Ukraine because, I mean, there is a huge and uh, urgent need. Uh, and so recruiters across Europe have uh, went together to... Uh, to support um, people uh, who are going to relocate and uh, need uh, yeah, to catch opportunities and understand the local market. So that's an initiative where you, uh, you get matched with, uh, with, with a refugee and you're, so you're, it's, a, it's a big network of recruiters and we can uh, coach refugees on uh, like how to ship your LinkedIn profile or information about the market or maybe like a suggestion on how you can uh, write your CV or how you can work maybe in an interview, how like, um, yeah, so to, to support with the preparation. Mm-hmm. And that's a, that's an, an, an NGO, NGO uh, initiative. So it's like, uh, I, I don't get the money, but I just really want the support in this at somehow. And with my background in this, I thought, that would be a really good way to, to give some support. And it doesn't mean that you need, as a recruiter, to put a lot of time, mm-hmm. but you maybe need like one, two hours a week to, to coach someone. Mm-hmm. And, and if you would be interested, if, if, if there is a recruiter who listens to this, uh, or if there is a, uh, someone who needs a job, uh, who, who from, like if you're from Ukraine and uh, you, uh, you're relocated to Stockholm, you feel free to reach out to me and I can connect you to that network mm-hmm. uh, and i'm very new to the network myself and uh, i'm not the founder of the network but i'm just 
engaged as a recruiter and uh, yeah. why, so that's a, a concrete where, where is the network hosted it's a it's a, um, a host i it, there is a the founder of the initiative is a refugee from ukraine who moved to uh, if it was bulgaria or somewhere close by and and then he has connected recruiters across europe right. uh, to engage in this and there's a forum and a facebook group uh, recruiters for ukraine right. which you can find as well um so, yeah Agnes? well I, I i first of all i love that idea i think it's of course really good but there's also like a feeling in in me where uh, is maybe a bigger perspective also of this could be you know recruiters for refugees mm. that it's not mm. only um, Ukraine mm. I'm very mm. you know I know mm. that I'm touching a very sensitive subject here but it's mm. it's just been it's and it's yeah. it's horrible what's mm. happening and you know I didn't think we would even yeah, maybe not talk about this but mm. I do feel that um, are we being diverse enough mm. when it comes to this are we focusing you know why are I'm not I'm not going to say because every like you as a refugee everyone has the same you know mm. right you, you have the same rights but why are mm. we not doing this for the refugees that are coming from mm. other countries yeah. you know yeah. that hasn't yeah not, like that hasn't stopped because mm. we are still seeing there there are, are conflicts happening all over the world mm. and how both all of the communities has come together for Ukraine, which I find it's, you know, there's hope for humanity. I do mm. feel the hope for humanity, but it also makes me a little bit scared that mm. we're not giving that kind of opportunity to everyone who flees mm. conflict as a refugee. Um, and it, I mean, you can see it here in Stockholm. Mm. Why are some refugees offered like free transportation, yeah. free all of mm. that, like a, you know, actually being able to welcome into a new class. Mm. Everyone learns a couple of words in U Ukrainian just to welcome them. Mm. But what about you know, like you're coming mm. there as a as a refugee from Syria, you or for any other country, mm. you still don't know the language. No one like learns your mm. hello in your language. Mm. You're not um, you can't go for free on the transportation. So it's mm. I'm very, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit concerned when it comes to that. We choose to be inclusive sometimes. Mm. Mm. But then we just choose not to be sometimes. Mm. And I know I'm touching on things that, you know, will probably be um, annoying for people because I do want people to help. And I also mm. know of companies who has been helping in all conflicts, mm. you know, that they're very, you know, mm. they're there, but they don't talk about it. Yeah. Mm. They're not going to be there and saying like, oh, we send beds mm. or we mm. send computers. And now when people are like, uh, their partners are like, oh, you should talk about that you're helping all the Ukrainian refugees. And they're like, mm. We are always helping. Why should we, like, bloat mm. about it? Mm. So I would really want <laughs> some mm. other opinions it's, here. It, it's, it's, like, it's... it's like, it's like mm. the, and this is why I mentioned it before, it's like the, um, a women in tech event. Great. It's a moment in time. Yeah. The beauty of the women in tech event is that yeah. every year it's consistent. Yeah. yeah. With the, the training, yeah, the microaggression, it can't just be a one-off. Mm. Yeah. Refugees haven't stopped. Mm. Yeah, and if it is just a response to a particular crisis, mm. whether Ukraine, mm. Syria, it should be an ongoing process. Yes, that's the only yeah, way. For his, yeah, for history, mm. it should be a constant rather than a yes. moment in time. Mm. Uh, you're totally right. The moment in time is still essential, mm. but it should be if it's truly embedded in culture. It's mm. a habit. It's a way of doing exactly. things. Exactly. Do you know mm. I mean? 
Well, it's easy to say and difficult to do. <laughs> it is. I also find mm. that the the fact that we need to have a women in tech event shows how we have not reached that point. Yeah. Because we we do that because we in our minds have already segregated women from non women. Yeah. Why why do we live in a world where that that segregation exists? Mm. Like ideally there should not have to be any events in a very ideal world i'm probably being super mm. idealistic yeah. right now but that is where we need to reach um and i think with the topic of like refugees as well like a refugee is a refugee no matter where they're coming from if their circumstances reflect that then that's mm. you know so we should this is i think the whole unconscious bias and getting rid of that segregation that we have um in terms and that's what will then make it a more inclusive world and a more inclusive workforce yeah mm. and you think about that like awareness levels you know those where yeah, you're yeah. like yeah completely ignorant don't understand that something's happening yeah. and then you come into a place where you're like i know i'm ignorant and i need to do something about it right mm -hmm. and then the next one when you're like i'm aware and i'm so aware mm. and then you sort of like reach the, the last level where you're like you're aware but it's just like comes natural mm. and I mean, um, like you said, if we are to get there, everyone has to be, you know, very much aware that, that they're either ignorant or that they're aware of it and they want to change it. Yeah, um, yeah. it's just going to be constant. This change needs to be constant. It has to be constant. <laughs> yeah, it needs to be just so much. I'm, I'm sat here listening going, oh my God, I so many things to change. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But yeah. not, not just change, keep in place. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I think this is one of the things I'm listening to. Um, I was almost going to start typing before. <laughs> you say that again. But you know, also history plays a, a, a big part. You also talk about your, your history. And we have to, to be able to move forward in the future. We need to understand our history yes. and actually recognize that, you know, like what we did there, that was not good, but we're learning from it. Yeah. Yes. And if we're not looking back, if we're not learning from history, then we're going to make the same kind of mistakes again. You know, uh, us having to have a women in tech event it, it, like our, our women in tech focus it really shows us that okay we gave voting rights in some countries i mean not gonna name names but switzerland you know like uh, <laughs> 1954 you know that's that's not you know there are people who are alive from that that happened yeah. so but they also have to recognize yes we were late for example yeah. or yes we um you know the fact that the u.s not really have dealt with their native american issue that there's still you know it's still uh, alive and well in the, um even in the white house where they're like big paintings of like there's there's like heads of buffaloes there mm. and what that really shows mm. is that you killed six million buffaloes in order to win that war mm. and actually take over that land and if you're not mm. really recognizing and saying like that was messed up i was kind of cursed but then i remembered like should not curse right yeah. okay no. that was fucked up it's okay sorry no but we've got about 10 minutes you can't that you know in history we failed but like you yeah. said you said we fail gloriously gloriously yeah. Yeah. that's when we can move yeah. forward you say, exactly like, now we can look at like this recruitment for ukraine's so we're like oh that was a it's a fantastic idea let's do mm. this and let's yeah. continue and just call mm. it recruiters for refugees yes. instead in a way 
And yeah. recognizing yeah. our privileges is the first thing yes. ever. Exactly. Is when you wake up in the morning and say how privileged I am, because exactly. all of us are, right? Yes. I remember one uh, one person in the uh, woman in tech event that went to our booth, and uh, she's from German, and she moved to Sweden one year ago. So she was reading our our poster, and she said. Hey, I love what you do, but I don't think I am part of it because we call immigrants, right? And immigrants in a like very wide sense. Mm -hmm. We don't separate a refugee, whatever people called an expat. As long as you are not born in Sweden, we consider yourself an immigrant. You moved here uh, or your family moved here because we have like a second generation immigrants. We call them as well. But uh, I told her, hey, you are part of this as well. Uh, we don't separate like this. We don't put, you know, people into boxes as long as, of course, some of us came with boats. Some of us came with a canoe, right? Yeah. And uh, we arrived here in a very different ways. Some people didn't even have a, a boat. They just yeah. came walking yeah. uh so there is of course inside our community there is struggles that are completely different some people don't even know how to start speaking english for example mm. so if you if you compare for example uh people in ukraine they usually have easier access to english classes there compared to people that uh, from arabic countries for mm -hmm. example so you know the privilege that people already come here to this country also says uh something uh so i think the initiatives they have to be more plural yeah, and I know it's mm. very hard to be plural because, for example, my organization focuses on women, non-binary, and then we have people from LGBTQ groups that question us: Why aren't you embracing us as well? Why don't we you embrace like more accessibility, neurodiversity? Mm. And I am listening to all of this and saying, hey, we need to be more plural. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think baby steps, right? As yeah. I said, yeah. let's start and let's see where it lands. I think yeah. it, the, the opportunities comes as well. Mm. Um, Andreas, you asked a question before. Um, so what, be, what could be a concrete tool to use on a day-to-day -day basis for employees to support an inclusive workplace? Yeah. Um, tell us about mm. why you asked that question. Yeah. And uh, and actually, it's not just employees, but human beings. Okay. Like, what c could we think about uh, on a day-to-day -day basis, like to to be more inclusive and, uh, um, yeah, both in the workplace and in life in general. And uh, I was very curious to hear your perspectives on this. I I mean, I I have some some suggestions, some ideas around it, but but there could be so many things that you could that you could do. I think. And uh, Angela, you have yeah. any thoughts on day to day tools that we can use to support? We'll go for employees for now, um, but yeah, mm. so what could we do? Have you seen anything working? Hmm. I think, I don't know, it, I think it really starts with like where you spend most of your time. So, like, we, we spend it at work. So, if we have events where we sort of, I don't know, are able to connect with each other beyond our work, so what are are our identities like um, from different aspects? Um, uh, I, I think that's probably the first step. I, I really, I, I really think that it's just so individual, mm. and it also takes a certain amount of awareness and willingness to do that. Mm. Um, in like, I heard this definition that ignorance is exactly the same as lack of acknowledgement. If you do not acknowledge that, you know, maybe you're not. Um, someone with the mindset to be accepting of diversity and inclusion, then you are just ignorant and you cannot 
put yourself forward. But I think it really just comes down to each individual doing that. And whilst we can sit here and have this podcast and also share our thoughts, at the end of the day, unfortunately, we still will not be able to get across to everyone because some people are just, you know, having a tunnel vision. And, and sometimes I just think that's just lack of awareness. And it's really just let's connect with like-minded individuals who share the same thoughts that we do, like we all do over here. And then in our small efforts, how can we contribute to that? Um, I really agree with what Juliana said, that if you are in a position of privilege, like we are, and you don't use it in the best interest of humanity, then it's just a complete waste. Yeah. Mm. It's just a complete waste. Like, oh, that's a fantastic quote. Mm. Yes. Oh, well, I yes. know, I know. Again, <laughs> I'm just sat here writing notes. <laughs> <laughs> I need to sort myself out, to yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, Julianne, have you thought about any day-to-day tools that we can use? Uh, I think when when we think tools, um, as I said before, I'm super advocate for having, you know, education in the workplace yeah. and having, you know, more trainings, even mandatory uh, things that, you know, when you are onboarding, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I feel that once, and uh, I think that resonates to what you're feeling, uh, Chris, once you start getting closer to the topic of diversity and inclusion, it's very, you start seeing things that are very dif- difficult to unsee, right? Mm-hmm. You can't. Uh, so whenever you enter in a room and then you are the only person there that is different. So all these things, they start coming. It's like, you know, uh, some uh, uh, clouds, they're suddenly gone and you start seeing. So being an advocate, whatever role that you have is super important. So it's I am in my third company here in Sweden right now. All of them, I've been product person working with engineering teams i was always an advocate about diversity and inclusion so it doesn't matter where you work you don't need to be hr recruiting you don't need to be marketing you don't need to be close enough to the employer branding but being an advocate is so important and i think one of the best tools that we have you know using our privileges and our knowledge so all this knowledge that we are learning here don't don't stick only with you uh, go ahead and talk about it go to your workplace and start creating you know the safe spaces that people can talk about it i think one of the uh from one of the companies that i worked here in stockholm the one that i felt that i belonged the most uh were companies that i could talk about it and for example i i am in a in a room usually with a lot of men because uh, especially me i work with infrastructure S- lots of men and then suddenly one of them says something that's not nice so i stop everything that we were doing and say hey i felt a little bit offended mm. and it needs to be especially when it comes to microaggressions for example it needs to be right away mm-hmm. you cannot take this home and in the other day you come and you're like oh, i was feeling so bad because then you start to create you know resentment uh, for the for the company so i feel that if companies are able to create these tools to have safe spaces this is where belonging, what belonging looks like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you mm-hmm. are free to speak up and say, or just, you know, slack the other person and say, hey, you said something that I didn't feel very comfortable. So people being opening for feedback, amazing. And can I just add, like, I think a lot of us have been in that situation, but we are afraid to speak up because sometimes we also think about the other person that, oh, I don't want to cause any tension. I don't want to offend the other person by saying that I was offended. But like we should not hold back because that that's exactly what keeps us stagnant. We don't mm. move forward. And there's no harm in correcting someone. Like maybe even they want to be corrected. Yeah. Maybe they'll appreciate what you told them that, oh, okay, 
sorry, I didn't think of it from that perspective. Uh, I didn't mean it in that way, and you know, I would I would be more aware of that in the future yeah. or something. So yeah. it's actually, it's it's really helping. It's not like you're offending anyone. So I know from a few people who I've spoken to have been in situations like this where they're like, oh, I I just didn't say anything back because of that fear of offending someone else. And mm. it's okay to stand up for something that you don't yeah. believe was. Uh, right in your interest it's like the people that are sitting here in this panel like and there's others other people like us who will open our mouth who will be the difficult person in the room who will give a voice for when you're not approving something it's not all it's not only about that person you're saying it to you're giving someone else a voice maybe the next time they can be the advocate mm. so i think that's why it's important and that's from an individual perspective but then from a company like you said training education mandatory yeah. because you never know what kind of person you have in front of you maybe that person needs to hear it verbally maybe they didn't see it in, a, in an illustration maybe they want to see it in a song you never know and you need to like try to cater to all of these kind of like people because some way or another they're going to go from that complete ignorant to some to the next step and when mm -hmm. they do they cannot unsee it so continue to be the most difficult person in the room mm -hmm. because challenge the status challenge quo. Always. Cha yes. challenge and mm -hmm. you know what's the worst that can happen you know they let you go in a company fuck that <laughs> then you shouldn't be there in the first place yeah, yeah. yeah. and if you are in tech it's quite competitive yeah, yeah. yeah. well i mean it this, is this when you were talking about privilege before I, yeah I, I i in tech right now yeah, in a lot of the positions you're all in, yeah, you're hard to find people, yeah? yeah, which means you are in a position where you can go, I'm going to ask all these questions on yes. the interview, mm. yeah, on the onboarding process. Mm. Um, but I'm going to leave final thoughts, Andreas, on, on the question. Uh, yeah, thank you <laughs> for the input. <laughs> I loved it. I loved it. Um, and uh, I, I, if I add just uh, an, one example, uh, when it comes to, to meetings, for instance, I, um, you can, like, there, there are practices that you can do in meetings, and we sit in so many meetings together and so many workshops together. Uh, one thing is to reflect on yourself, like, am I a person that speaks a lot, that owns a lot of the conversation? Yeah. If you are, then practice maybe wait a second and try to have that as a mantra okay i know that i speak a lot yeah. i'm gonna wait i'm gonna wait for someone else who it will take different amounts of time for different people to speak out and and just wait and welcome silence mm. as well yeah. so i know you're talking so, yeah. to me there Andrea, so <laughs> <laughs> i was like don't say anything don't say anything <laughs> yeah um, yeah. Right, we're going to have to finish there. Um, thank you so much, Angela, Juliana, Andreas, Agnes, amazing.